0: Welcome to another episode of Build Up One Another. I'm your host, Karen Temple. This is where I interview accomplished men and women who know that to go far, you go with one another. Join us as we unpack the stories behind their key relationships and how these have impacted where they've gone and who they've become. Our guest today is Laura Williams, entrepreneur, lawyer, speaker, HR business consultant, workplace investigator, and thought leader. Laura is the founder and principal of two companies, Williams HR Law and Williams HR Consulting, bringing with her more than two decades of experience providing strategic advice and legal representation to employers across various industries. Laura is widely recognized as a leader in helping organizations leverage innovative, proactive strategies to reduce liability and costs resulting from ineffective, and non-compliant workplace practices. She has been featured in numerous industry magazine, HR publications, as well as national broadcast media, including just a few, Profit Magazine, CBC Radio, and The Globe and Mail. But where I'd really like to shine the light on Laura is that Laura has been named on the Canadian Business Magazine's W100, which lists the top female entrepreneurs in Canada. In addition, in 2018, Williams HR Law was honoured with the Labour and Employment Boutique Law Firm of the Year Award at the National Canadian HR Awards. In addition, Laura has achieved the coveted Certified Speaking Professional designation, which is a globally recognised designation held by only 70 Canadians and fewer than 17% of the world's professional speakers. Laura, welcome to Build Up One Another. I am so delighted to have you on the
1: show. Thanks so much, Karen. I'm delighted to be here. And I just love what this podcast is putting out there. The message is right in alignment with what we stand for. It's great.
0: Wonderful. And I'm so excited to have you because, Laura, as I mentioned when we were talking before we started, you cover both the front end as well as the back end. So in workplace relationships where things may have gone a little askew, you help people come out of difficult, entangled situations. But what I really love, too, is that you, through your consulting company, you're helping workplaces proactively learn how to value their people. I'm if you
1: can tell us a little bit more about that. Well, the reason why we have both firms is because when people issues arise in an organization, there certainly could be legal uh, exposures, legal implications. But you know, there's th- those situations are never devoid of the you know, the need for proactive strategies so that organizations can create fulfilling experiences for their people, as well as ensuring that. Employees understand that uh, you know what's expected of them, and that you know that the it's a win-win experience for both the organization and for employees. And similarly, if you have an HR consulting need, uh, you know that that could be on the consulting side could have some legal risks and exposures that need to be addressed by the law firm. So the two brands are actually very compatible; they work together, and um, it's it, we found that it really does. Provide the value we want to provide which is helping organizations understand that to get the, to meet their objectives they have to value their people
0: mm-hmm and people talk about valuing their people mm-hmm. but in the day-to-day thick and thin where everybody is and I'm using air quotes here for our folks listening busy yes. nobody has time how does one
1: actually go about putting that into practice Really, at the end of the day, it's about setting the intentions and setting expectations through the initial communications that employees receive from the time that they're being recruited, so they understand what the organization stands for. From the time that they're onboarded, uh, from the messaging that should be internal through the vision, mission, and core values that are established, that the organization you know does value people and that the day in and day out as you mentioned when things get busy and hectic again if, if the if employees of if the people that are really the engine of the business understand that the intentions of the business is to treat their people right and you know feedback is given and and, and the, the values are adhered to it's not hit and miss so you know a lot of organizations will say that they stand for let's say um, respectful uh, working environments yet still managers are yelling at their teams. I mean, you know, you have to make sure that there's consistency, that the behaviors are in alignment with the expectations that are set. That's the way that employees, even on the bad days, still, you know, will have the, the belief that they're within the right organization and that, you know, they're, they're valued by, by the, the leaders of that organization. How does an organization go from 1.0 type
0: communication, but more of a 2.0 communication?
1: Again, it comes down to ensuring that your culture is by design and not by default, because that constitutes your brand your employer brand. So at the end of the day, what a lot of organizations will find is, again, if they're not walking the talk, they're going to have some serious reputational issues as employees leave. And as we know, in this day and age of social media, employees will, will, you know, hitch up with a few posts on the way out to communicate the experience that they had, Mm. and that can impact some of the key needs that a business will have from a resourcing perspective, it will impact being able to attract the right talent, being able to retain the right talent that can help the organization meet its objectives. So again, you have to be intentional, you have to design the culture, and the cultural expectations have to be consistently um, realized by Mm -hmm. the employees.
0: Mm -hmm. You said something there that really caught my attention. You mentioned the brand. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when organizations are thinking about their brand they're thinking about their brand as it relates to the external world yes and their customers and here what you're actually talking about is an internal brand as well can you go unpack that a
1: little bit more it's so important to focus on the internal brand because at the end of the day your employees are going to be the ambassadors of your brand externally your employees are going to be interfacing with clients and customers. So making sure that they really understand the company's objectives, the values, the and being consistent with the experience, the cultural experience that you've sold them to get mm-hmm. them through the door is key. So there's, you know, that, that internal branding, the employer brand and cultivating that intentionally is really, really clutch for
0: employers. That brings me back to my early career days when I worked at IBM. Mm-hmm. And the onboarding at IBM was a two-day process and coming out of that. And one of the things that they consistently said during those two days is you're an IBMer. And even to this day, if I meet people who used to work at IBM, oh, you're an IBMer. Mm-hmm. And that becomes part and parcel of that identity of an employee. When I think about companies in the early stages and their Thinking about attracting the right people and building their culture. Putting this in place at the ground level, clearly good thing to do. I see a lot of leaders thinking along this line. But for those companies that are larger, who maybe because of size, maybe because of complexity, have sort of lost that internal brand, how would they go about redefining it and creating that pervasive culture again?
1: Again, you really have to take stock of what the experience the employees are, are having and ensure that you create an internal brand that resonates. You have to hear from the people. Once the the organization is you know, a, a strong going concern, it's got some girth, it, it has a culture. As I said, even from it, be it by design or by default. And if you do need to course correct or turn the tide, the best place to start is with the employees, go to them, ask them about their experience, realize that you do need to maybe change course a little bit. What you should really be doing is, you know, going back to them, getting their feedback, to the extent that you can meet them at certain of their um, expectations, let's say if they make suggestions, you know, you you have to be very strategic in terms of how you're gonna communicate and the types of activities you're gonna put in place to shift the, the culture, to where you'd like it to go, but that will, you know, support the business as it grows and it evolves. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the real core of your question is you can't just from on high say, okay, well, this is now who we are. You have to, you know, do a pulse check, get a sense of what the employees are experiencing and get their feedback and then gain their buy-in. You could have an employee who
0: is excited about that internal brand or sees an opportunity to be able to raise up that internal brand and they could be a seed to be able to say, hey, here's what's great about where we where we're working, here's some great things about what we're doing to foster a positive internal brand.
1: And you know the thing is with, with that, one of what organizations shouldn't lose sight of is one of the most important engagement metrics is pride of association. So how employees feel about their connection as, as an employee to the particular brand. So you mentioned being an IBMer yes. and you're that for life, yeah, right? So that, and there's much pride. It absolutely, makes you smile, right? absolutely. Because you had a good experience. That's what employee, what employers, what organizations should be striving for. And there's, there's a number of different methodologies that you can follow to really um, get an understanding of how your people feel about your brand and there there are different strategies and tactics that you can take and they have to be genuine and they have to be again engaged uh, intentionally to raise that metric so that there is a more connection with the brand can you tell us a little bit about those methods sure well one of the things that's real a lot of organizations don't do well again i mentioned this earlier is you know being in alignment and consistent with the expectations um, of the employee experience that um, actually manifest in the employee's day-to-day experience with the company. So here's a, here's a great example. I, I had, was working with a client and they were so proud of their new premises because they had made it very kind of new and chic and fun. And there were lots of amenities. They had these uh, resting spaces and it was very spa-like. Employees were a little bit disgruntled and put off by all of these amenities that were put in place because they couldn't enjoy in them because they felt they were working too hard ultimate tease here you you go you put all of this it's like you know putting us in a, in a playground <laughs> yeah. we
0: can't play or in a candy and, shop when you're yeah. on a trying to lose some weight
1: but, <laughs> 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 so it was a total backlash for something that they thought was so great mm-hmm. but they hadn't really thought it through and so a lot of this is
0: around communication and the communication the effort that's required in order to seed, nurture, grow that internal brand.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: At the same time, I hear managers don't have time. You have to just take the time to do
1: it. You know, and you have to also find the proper mechanism or mode to do so. So for example, in some companies, a town hall style where it's kind of free-flowing feedback works very well. For other companies, they may have staff meetings that are less like a town hall. But the the, the key thing is to have those check-in points where you're reiterating messaging. Perhaps the company isn't going through a very significant change, rolling out different systems and processes. You have to continually get feedback. But you also have to insert a little bit of play time. It's so important. So it could be even something as simple as every other Friday. People congregate in a boardroom or a place on the shop floor, or wh- wh- whatever it is, just to allow mm-hmm. people to engage in their relationships positively again. It's really important. and That has to be also incorporated in the workplace as well. It's
0: true. And it makes me think back to the analogy of the families where we gather around a table and there's food. Mm-hmm. And I always say that food is one of the best ways to break
1: breaking break bread, bread together
0: is, and yeah, get magical. To- and, and to simply get to know people and your co-workers as other humans To, I've heard you um, speak a little bit about calibrating teams, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that
1: relates, so I want you to tell me about what is this, how do you calibrate a team? What is, what's involved there? Calibrating a team is making sure that you have the right composition for the objectives of, of that team, the objectives of a department perhaps. You know, first of all, you want diversity on your team. Diversity of thought, importantly, mm-hmm. diversity in terms of helping different uh problems and how they go about solving problems Um, so and even diversity in terms of backgrounds and experiences and and you know you just don't you know throw people together as a motley crew you've got to make sure that they uh, also understand the value of each um each other's approach and how they can contribute because that's how you get the the best innovation within a team but the truth of the matter when it comes to uh, a te- team building and, and getting the right team calibrated is sometimes you have to recognize that you may mishire, mm. and somebody may have joined an organization or in, uh, for reasons that don't further their purpose and don't further the organization's objectives. So you can't be afraid of departures. A lot of organizations, particularly smaller organizations as they build, and I went through this, and, it, and because I invest so much into my teams as well, it can feel like a real loss. But, you know, I, there's a story that uh, really resonated with me with a client with, that had a very challenging uh, employment relationship with this one individual. Long story short, when they ultimately made the decision that they were going to end the relationship. Um, it's never easy and if you if, if you feel like it's easy you really mm. should stop doing it because you know it's somebody's livelihood and there's connections Absolutely. and relationships in any event they had the meeting to advise her that it was the end of the road um, and she said um thanks so much she said this was my this was a two-year plan gone wrong she she just wanted this opportunity as a stepping stone to get to something else mm-hmm. her uh, life became frustrated by a number of different um I guess kind of personal and external factors. And so she stayed on for years mm. and years and was very unhappy and became very toxic and um, was impeding the furtherance of the business. And they had to make that decision and they waited a long time. So the point is that uh, sometimes we can't look at, we've got kind of to look at it as well. I'm, I was use the analogy of a train ride, right? Mm. Sometimes you might not be going the full course to the destination. People get off at different stops and you can't be a you can't be afraid of that and you you certainly don't want that. You don't want too much of that, but you can't be afraid of that because getting the right team does mean that sometimes there are departures mm-hmm. and you've got to add and you've got to grow, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to see it as something that's evolving. Yeah. An organization as that a living, breathing
0: entity. It really is, and- in every way. And different stages require different people, whether it's at, so for example, in my role, I work with a lot of tech founders yes. um, who are at that technology side. But then they have to move and start build, bringing on the business people. And then eventually you go from the founders all the way to having a team and a structure in place, and then ultimately to maybe even a very large company. Yes. And different roles and different responsibilities for different times and different stages. And being able to work with people who are able to come in and to
1: and also to move move on mm-hmm. is really important. But I will say this though: that's not to say that an organization can or should kind of abd- abdicate itself in the responsibility of taking proactive and positive steps to ensure that employees again are having the experience that they were sold from the outset because sometimes employees disengage because they felt that they were sold a bill of goods or you know the um, leaders are very disengaged Mm -hmm. and they just don't feel connected so you could lose some very good talent if you're not doing things to ensure that you're fostering engagement within the business
0: absolutely it an it is a contract and so it's two-way and it's not just money In exchange for service Mm -hmm. Uh, it goes deeper than that Mm -hmm. where I've always said that when we're able to align that then for the periods where it makes sense for us to be together and that could be a long term it may be a shorter term but you're able to really maximize that that engagement and that interaction that service
1: absolutely and you know you said something earlier about you know essentially you're bringing together Bunch of strangers for, for, for the most part, right? Yeah. Asking them to spend a lot of, a time, lot of time, time together. There, right? And so, you know, that should be kept in sharp focus. That naturally, you know, a lot of the, the behaviors where, you know, the wheels pop off or there's mm. derailment um, because of interpersonal conflict or certain behaviors or even the conduct of leaders, a lot of this is predictable, right? So you can be proactive, you can be preemptive by setting conduct expectations, Mm. setting um, communication expectations, being the ambassador as leaders in terms of good and healthy uh, communications, and also being vulnerable and transparent when things may not be exactly where employees may expect them to be because businesses take different twists and turns. And sometimes you've got to come out from behind the curtain and say, hey, here's where we are realistically. We all need to pull together to." Kind of take it to the next level, and that can you know be very assuring.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and we have good examples, right, mm-hmm. in society where um, stakes are high. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I think uh, in the sports world, we're all here to win. We're all here to win as a team, and if that means that the star is sitting down because they're injured or they're having a bad night, and somebody else is able to get up there and bring the team that win. And the egos are, in, are there, they're healthy, but they're in check. Mm-hmm. And then when we look at companies, companies that are doing great, they also have that sense of mission. They want to be able to grow. They want to be able to do great things through their products and services. Mm-hmm. If we're able to have a sharpness on that mission and a feeling of being proud around that brand, we can really come together and do great things.
1: This hits the heart of what I talk about a lot, and that is connecting employees, connecting the people of the business to the mission so they can find meaning in what they're doing. That's the tie that binds. The tie that binds is if we all understand what we're working together towards and we find it meaningful. And that's another way to calibrate the team because the meaning in the work connected to the mission and the ultimate vision, if that doesn't resonate with somebody, then that may be that may require some recalibration. Yeah. Because sometimes that if that's the case, you can't inspire that person to bring their best every day. And they won't be inspired. So not believing in the mission and then they're checking out. They're checking out. They're checking because they're not driving any meaning. Well, yeah, and I can share personally our businesses what we're going through right now we did hit a bit of a tipping point in terms of business volume and you know it's a absolute blessing because the reputation's strong and you know we it's and it's such an honor for organizations to rely on your brand to help them to you know address the issues that they're facing for us it became very clear that we needed to refine and define how we needed to work together to ensure that we were um, giving clients the value they expect from our services. So we focused on redefining the why. Mm-hmm. And then from redefining, getting, getting everybody, you know, again, focused on why do we come into work? What what value are we providing our, our, our clients? And from that, we really looked at the what and how we go about delivering the services. So what are our key core services? Then we brought in a consultant, and we're still just in the process of this to, to, to define all the processes. So the how, how do we deliver? The services okay. and from the how, because that's what a lot of businesses don't do. So really mapping the processes mm-hmm. so that we really can from the from the how, then we can drive the who, the who does what. So we're all going through this, and it is such an amazing experience because it's the best way to go through change with everybody being part of that process of defining the the what the how, and then it makes sense to them, okay, well, this is why I do this. And mm-hmm. these are this, this is the scope of, of processes that I'm mm-hmm. responsible for. And, and, and it just, connecting all of the dots has been a brilliant, brilliant thing to watch and to experience as well.
0: Right? And, it, and it's exciting. And I, I think as Brene Brown always says, fear and excitement are two sides of the same coin. I agree. Because you're going from one size and you, as you say, you're blessed with a higher volume of business. Yeah. And, Sometimes we say, okay, well, don't change anything because whatever you're doing is working. But to service all that additional work volume, you have to make some change. And that's a transition that I often draw as an S-curve. And so when you're going through that change, being able to do it in a way that's healthy is,
1: is challenging. Well, I have cast it this way in the firm for everybody to be bought in is that, you know, this isn't just a nice to have what we're doing. This is, I've, we've been looking at what will happen if we don't do it, mm-hmm. right? So we must engage in a series of changes and redefinement and, and, and recalibration for us to, to, to go the next leg of the journey. Mm-hmm. I love the word that you're using, calibration. Mm-hmm. So I've hear,
0: heard a lot of um, business leaders speak about balance. Yes, and it makes me feel as though there has, I, I think of a seesaw mm-hmm. where you're at a nice equilibrium. Whereas recalibration is a bit more uh, refined. It's a bit more nuanced, I yes. think, than just balance Cause it's hard to achieve a balance per se, but you're really looking at weightings and probabilities
1: is what I think. Well, yes, and calibration speaks to the intricacies. We're dealing with human beings right? Mm-hmm. You can't just, and, and balance may have an application, but certainly calibration is, it, it speaks to the complexity and it and it makes you really think that you, you can't just do it in one decision. It's a process to calibrate and it takes time mm-hmm. and a cultivation and intention and you have to be planful and you have to really uh, make sure things are properly aligned and then, you know, as you're calibrating, what doesn't quite dive or fit shows up. It does. Right. And sometimes it's within yourself. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's it, calibration to me is the word that I keep landing on because it. It, it really is descriptive of what you need to do intentionally.
0: Mm hmm. I want to go back to, you mentioned hiring. Yes. Hiring is, is a bizarre process. Mm-hmm. You send in a resume in some cases, there's maybe a two hour interview, a bit of back and forth, and then we're supposed to be um, an offer, maybe some salary negotiation, and then either an accepted decline. Or- How can we do that process better?
1: Being intentional mm. and um, being strategic and being prepared uh, because a lot of times organizations hire out of desperation. Sometimes you can't help because, for example, um, you may have be in the middle of a very important initiative and you may have a key person to that initiative leaving, right? Mm-hmm. Because they found something else or they, for whatever set of circumstances, so you have a vacancy that really needs to be filled quickly. But hiring is something that you shouldn't um, you shouldn't be you know making up the process on the spot. There's your hiring because it's such a critical activity of a business. It's something that you should invest. If you can't you know come to your hiring process yourself, you should hire maybe engage somebody externally to help you to formulate a proper hiring process so you have standardized questions. The questions really will get to the heart of the. Um, uh, of the, the key uh, competencies and, and requirements and, and skills that you need for that role. Um, you know, you, you, you have to ensure that, you know, that, there are multiple touch points that it's not unilateral. You want to have that person also explore whether mm-hmm. or not it's the right environment for them. Mm-hmm. So there might be multiple introductions, really giving them a feel of the business because you don't want to mishire. Mishires can be very disruptive. Very expensive. Well, there's the, there's the hard cost and there's mm-hmm. the soft cost. Mm-hmm. Bringing somebody in transitionally can really mix things up in a way that's disruptive. So, you know, you, you the whole idea behind proper hiring is not creating that hiring strategy in a crisis. Your recruitment strategy should be something that is well-formulated, well thought out. You know, you should, again, if you don't have the internal expertise there should be external expertise, assist you to make sure that you get it right.
0: Mm -hmm. So in that process, um, and throughout so many interactions, um, there's an increased conversation on hiring for diversity mm-hmm. also um, bringing awareness to unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. Right. And when people often hire there, they, they're hiring for fit. Yes. And as they hire for fit, they're looking to see how that person's going to fit with their team. Are they, I'm using air quotes, easy to work with.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And often They're seeing fit as that which is familiar and similar, Mm -hmm. right? How do we help? Are there tools out there, whether they're qualitative or maybe they're hard tools, to help us get around hiring like or hiring what they've done in the past to really looking at where their team is and where they're going and how they're able to hire to bring
1: diversity to the team? Well, first of all, what is fit? Right, defining fit properly is really important. Define defining need, so what you specifically truly need on a particular team. Um, but you know, again, it's to a certain extent you can have a very standardized approach to hiring, but it should be very role specific at the same time and taking into consideration what the team is. We recently, when we were doing some hiring, we um, piloted a blind screening process. Mm. So we um, took out various characteristics. But it was really good to go through this just to um, see how the process netted out. And and so what happened? But it was interesting. We ended up with uh, our shortlist were three women. Mm-hmm. And um, the they really were very different. We had a hard time making the decision in the end. And so that we found that this we still need to refine it, but the process actually worked very well. So that's that's very interesting. So on on the hard data
0: that you have, redacting it so that they're, you're able to remove biases. Right. At some point, you meet the person, and at some point, you're also looking for character. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's that's also challenging because now the person's right in front of you, and there's probably questions that you can ask. But how do you how do you discern and
1: qualify? who the person is? You know what, it's, um, it's tough because there's some people that are actually very adept at interviewing, right? And character, character, again, really, you, you want people that are in alignment with the values of the organization. I think that's the main thing that uh, you look for because when you define character character could be appropriate for one team and not appropriate for the other mm-hmm. depending on the competence composition of the team right so we really were looking for value uh, values alignment um, and I think that is a good kind of beacon for organizations to have but it's also very difficult to discern it and so and depending on yeah. the role, yeah. you may you talk about tools you know there's there's some great psychometric tests that can be used as well and, and we It's always good to use somebody external to kind of read and to Mm. interpret and to give you the information. And the lawyer in me, of course, has to say, you've got to make sure that you're not you know, in any ways um, exposing yourself to human rights violations Mm. too. So you've got to make sure you're screening properly. um, And there's not any kind of unlawful bias that's being applied. Mm -hmm. But, um, but, you know, psychometric uh, assessments can be great as well. Organizations don't always engage in, you know, restorative activities. So there's something that happens in a workplace. Let's say there's been some allegations of misconduct and, you know, it's been addressed maybe through an investigation, etc. But we think that once that process has come to an end, that it's back to business as usual. And it's not. It's not. There's things you have to do to yes. really meaningfully repair relationships because yes. otherwise sometimes things fester and they go deeper and then the escalations are so bad that the the team or the, the workplace becomes like the wild west mm. seen it m- many times and that's in my kind of um, with my mm. investigator lens on i've seen that that derail derailment time and time again where you know organizations they haven't caught something early enough and it ends up becoming um you know catastrophic right right and then it's fixed as quickly as possible then
0: back to business but it's not fixed it's not because fixed. there's residual tension there's re- residual questions amongst the remainder of the workforce to try to understand and it feels as though it's been say swept under the rug that's right without a proper saying
1: and and you know what trust is is often impaired, yeah. and sometimes depending on on how an organization deals with an issue, mm-hmm. the organization's credibility mm. also takes a hit. Back and to the it, brand, yeah. Back to the brand, and you have to do intentional things to repair and restore.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: That's great.
0: You mentioned the tall poppy syndrome,
1: mm-hmm. and just in there, I just want to go back there. There's a, a woman who's really at the kind of the, the charge of bringing this level of awareness. Um, in Canada. Her name is Dr. Runeet Galan, and she's who I actually had um, interviewed during our fireside chat. This concept of TPS, I believe it really um, emanated from Australia. And the whole phenomenon is, again, when it's typically women, doesn't have to be exclusively women, but when, you know, individuals within a workplace progress, that there's through either, you know, people feeling threatened, envy, as you mentioned, um, they, they want to shear them down. That's why they say tall poppy, Shear uh. the tall poppy. Okay. And, um, you know, the behaviors that often are um, exhibited can be very, very destructive to the workplace, but also very, um, it, it can have a real serious toll on the individual that's the recipient of the behaviors. So that's something, again, that, you know, through education, through making people aware. Because what happens is, if if we become aware of these types of behaviors, even if we don't call ourselves out on it, members of the team, they'll recognize it. So that person that's, you know, the quote-unquote victim of the the behaviors, they may get some support from those that are around them. And the person that is behaving in that way, maybe, you know, the the team may help to course-correct the behaviors, mm-hmm. if they're aware of what to look out for and what to, what's his mm-hmm. spot.
0: So maybe you can walk us through how we can um, trip up in life and recover with a sense of humility, but in a way that builds us and builds our teams up.
1: Well, I think one of the key things that needs to be socialized within our organization is mistakes are expected, not through negligence, not through not you know paying attention to detail, but they're they're expected and they're necessary for innovation. So you really have to uh, have a culture of it's okay if you make an error, but what's not okay is if you don't bring it forward. Or, and it's not okay to pass blame onto somebody mm. else. Own it, and then let's focus on the solution, solution. Right, and it's very important for leaders to be solution focused when they re- when they recognize that something might have gone sideways, so that people aren't um, tentative about bringing issues forward because I think they're going to be berated or scolded or it's going to be just focused on the problem. No, we're going to focus on the solution together, mm-hmm. right? Everyone in the organization is continually making mistakes. Decision-making is never perfect. And, you know, you, sometimes the errors are necessary to think about how many inventions there are that really are a function of errors, mm-hmm. right? Or miscalculations, and you have to have, you know, seed that belief that, you know, that's how we will become better. Mm. Right. And and you don't want people shoving things under the rug. You want them bringing it to the fore. But again, it can only happen if you have that, um, if, if, it, if, it, if there's the faith and trust that when they bring something forward, it's going to be dealt with constructively. Yes.
0: Yes. And again, that's that Whole calibration of going after greatness and doing your job well mm-hmm. and in doing that trying different ways and being it being okay to fail mm-hmm. and again it's that whole calibration
1: sign that's right yeah and you need risk takers you need you need, mm-hmm. and you need people that are Inclined to be risk takers, you need accelerators on a team, and you need your brakes.
0: I know some folks where the only colors they have is is green, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like, wait, I'm still on yellow.
1: <laughs> and then there's some right? that only have red. Exactly. Right. They, they think about, okay, well, they, what they all can be, go wrong? What all can go wrong? And so that's why understanding communication styles, understanding how um, we communicate, is really, really important. Yeah, yeah, and having a sense of humor about
0: it all because. Yes. If we're able to have a sense of humor. We're able to to recognize our differences and recognize that we're not attacking the person and who they are, mm-hmm. um, but we're we're doing ways to be able to move each other forward in a in a productive way. Absolutely, does that make any sense? It sure does. Yeah. Um, what about in 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 your life in terms okay. of failure? Was there an example that you stumbled and said whoa that was that was painful and maybe you could share just how you as a leader because you have two businesses um can you talk to us a little bit about an example there i could
1: give you countless <laughs> 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 All right? i rely on failing right you're the crucibles of life yes right yes. if we if we're, if we're
0: going to the edge we're going to fall yes, yes. and i always said to my mom when i had my real doozies where I face planted in life through the tears and the mud and the sweat,
1: just have faith that I'm gonna be okay. 100%, right? And you need the contrast. We can't be you know, skipping around in the daisies every day of our life. Life is hard, it has hard patches. So I'll tell you one of the hard, there's so many I could share, but keeping in theme, one of the real challenges I had was um, some years into this business in the law firm side, um, maybe it was somewhat early days, uh, the team dramatically contracted It was, was recalibrated. Okay. And now, did you have the,
0: the thought of like the theme of calibrating at that point in time, or was that something that came late?
1: I didn't. Well, it, it, it certainly came later, but it came partially from this experience oh. because the, um, it hadn't, the hiring wasn't strategic, the, the team mm. wasn't comprised properly, had some exits, some that had to be made, some that, that, that had happened, and it was down to myself and one person in a lot of value uh, of volume. And um, no, and, you know, we had support, but just in terms of the lawyers, and I remember just thinking, oh, feeling like I was in reverse, and yeah. feeling that I wasn't on path, and not on track, and what have you. It was one of the best things that happened, and but you can never see it when you're in it at the mm. time. It felt hard. It felt like the, the, the business looked like it wasn't succeeding or thriving, and um, there was a patch of time I took it somewhat hard, and then I just you know just got the you know fortitude, the internal fortitude, and just moved forward and had the faith that this was the what we needed to where we needed to be to move forward, and um, became much more strategic in terms of the hiring, mm. became much more mindful and thoughtful about what. Uh, skills and resources and characteristics we would need to build to the vision. And um, I will tell you, the team just kept building and building in the right way and making sure people really understood what we, what the, what the brand stands for, which is, you know, being proactive. And also at the same time, you know, that we, our purpose is to help organizations value their people. Yes. Right. And added to that, what was so important was for the employee experience to be fulfilling because you can't help organizations value their people, help them value their people if you're not experiencing them that yourself because you're going to mm-hmm. feel very hypocritical mm-hmm. and it wouldn't be good for brand. And as a leader, I wouldn't have credibility. So the other kind of focus was we know the value of a great team. Beautiful. So that's what that our employee experience is around, mm-hmm. that uh, that slogan, if you will right like that's what that's one of our core brand statements there are two and um we've been a building in that uh, direction and in that vein and and a lot came from you know having to go through that contraction which was very painful at the time mm-hmm. but it was so necessary mm-hmm. a good example
0: of where you had to create space and time yes. and go slow for a bit in yes. order to be able to go and build to where you are today absolutely So one of the key things that I like to do when I interview people like yourselves, very accomplished, is to give you a chance to look at your
1: past and the heroes on your sideline. Mm -hmm. So I could name many because I always say I'm so blessed and fortunate because the right people always show up. And I've had a lot of support. Well, I'm going to go to the core relationship and that's my mother. If you look up resilience... Um, in the dictionary, you'll see her picture. She has uh, uh, she was a career woman, um, accomplished much, very humble, and um, but just very steadfast. And she really thinks about others and tries to inspire others. And she has such a community of people that she's poured into, that she's she supported along the way. One of the, the one of the things I just love about my mother is, you know, in every decade and years in the decades of her life towards 90, she's made major transformative decisions. Mm. And so she just keeps evolving. And most recently, when she turned 90 last year, she released her memoir, So which, I love. <laughs> which is just phenomenal, right? I love. And uh, really talking about her journey, her mistakes, her experiences, um, and she's had some incredible experiences. Hmm. So uh, she really is, for me, if, you, if I had to give rank, she's at the top. She's number one. She's
0: at the top. When you told me about how she wrote her memoir, I thought, this is brilliant. This is yeah. amazing and wonderful. Can you imagine five generations from now, if everybody in your family did that, that you would have a family history of all the nuggets of wisdom of who your family is, all that they've accomplished, the twists and turns, the ups and downs,
1: that would be just amazing. It, you know, I learned so much about my mother through her book. She went to um, the States to go to school. Mm-hmm. And one evening, she, they were in uh, they were in New York, I believe they were in New York. And uh, it was in the 50s, early 60s late 50s I believe and she wanted to go out for dinner they dressed up so nicely and she's originally from the Caribbean so she just was there just to go to school mm-hmm. and so she went to this uh restaurant and they stood and they waited and people ate and they left and they mm-hmm. came. And finally they came out and say they said to her excuse me ma'am we don't serve colored people here and she said <laughs> she said well why not she said we're appropriately dressed she didn't get it And they sat. she stood there and not indignant. She just didn't under, she said, why wouldn't they serve? And you know what they did? They served them, herself and her friend. And she said, but but what I love about the story is because she didn't get angry, she didn't get in any way indignant, it made them reflect on themselves to think, this isn't right. Here's a perfectly, she's such a lovely, lovely being. And I just think it caused them to question their policy. And so they made an exception. She loved them until they yeah. realized And that they she... stood and they didn't, they just stood and they waited. They heard it was a nice restaurant and they they didn't understand because she didn't grow up in a place that like was segregated. She didn't understand. Yeah. So she was well served. Isn't well, that an amazing story? That that just blows my socks
0: off for yeah. so many reasons. One of the reasons is because she didn't put boundary on herself. Um, so many times in life, there's that voice in her head. We don't belong. I don't see anybody like me. Yeah. Um, and so we self-regulate mm-hmm. rather than just claiming that this is a beautiful restaurant and I'd like to eat here. Yeah. Number two, she loved them. Yeah. She just poured love onto them, asking them very simple, beautiful questions until they
1: had a self-awareness. Yes. And you know what I love about that? The biggest thing I got from that is I've always heard the saying that you can only combat bad, let's call it, to be yeah. simplistic, with good. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the truth of the matter is that was, that's a living example mm. where she didn't yell. She wasn't cussing. She wasn't upset. Yeah. She said she was just really, she was kind of incredulous. And well, why not? Mm-hmm. And And they made an exception. So I love that. And that's who mm. she is. Mm-hmm. That's who she is, because she really has a solid sense of self-worth.
0: And the example that she has played out every decade, year over year, as you've witnessed her life mm-hmm. and now being able to share this and be able to get to know your own mother at such a deeper level. Mm-hmm. I think is just incredibly beautiful. It's such a gift. I'm gonna bring us to a close here. Um before before I do that, I just wanna ask you, where can people find you, Laura? I am, well,
1: I'm easy to find. I'm easy <laughs> to find on LinkedIn, yes. Laura Williams. Our law firm website is williamshrlaw.com. Our consulting firm is williamshrconsulting.ca. Uh, so very easy to find. Wonderful.
0: So for those listening, Laura has given so many amazing insights. We are going to be posting links to Laura so you can really find her with just a click of a button in the show notes below. And um, Laura, I want to acknowledge you for all who you are, all that you've grown to become and what you've built in terms of your two companies and how you're taking that as a living example to go out and to help other organizations to value their people. By building your relationships with one another, you can actually merge your just dreams and do magical things together. And know that I promised you when your fuel begins to run low, and your journey nears the end, it's through your relationships with one another that you will discover blessings more beautiful than you could ever have imagined. We would love to know what you think of this podcast. So do let us know by rating, sharing, reviewing, subscribing and following us on whenever you listen to podcasts. All the links are below. So until next time, be well my friend and go build up one another.